Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Friday today really is good to be here. It's always a fun day, and we always have a lot of fun. But I'm gonna tell you, don't 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 be fooled. We are gonna get into the Word of the Lord here today. It's gonna be good. So I do want to welcome you to Jersey Sunday. My app just there we go. I want to welcome you. It's a day we let our hair down a little bit. As you can see, I'm not re representing the Cowboys today. I wanted to represent my other team, my college team, the Virginia Cavaliers. So, so uh, yeah, ooh, there's, I need to pray about that apparently. Amen. There's not very many. Oh, let me try that. How many UVA fans are in the house? I, I, I hate to ask it, but I have to. How many Tech fans are in the house? I knew we had a bad spirit in this church. I knew, and now the Lord has revealed it. I don't even know if you can pray that out. A 30-day fast didn't even fix that, amen? <laughs> hey, real quick, before I start preaching, life groups, uh, sign-ups are still underway in the lobby. Our new semester starts tomorrow. If you have not signed up for a life group yet, what is wrong with you? Sign up for a group we want you to be connected. We want you to know what's going on in the body of Christ. Be a part of it. Select a group. We still have a few wristbands for our theme of committed uh, and pray first. You can pick those up in the lobby on the center table. They're in a basket. Just grab some on your way out. Uh, that's the last batch of them, so grab some. First Wednesday prayer is this Wednesday night. We always kick off every month on the first Wednesday night of that month with a prayer meeting. So this will be our first Wednesday prayer for the month of February. Please plan to join us. Uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, as you know, we kicked off our year with a new sermon series called Committed, and along with the sermon series, we also launched a 30-day church-wide initiative that we called Committed 30 Days of Renewal. Now, thank you to everybody who participated in the 21-day Daniel Fast, the 30-day Social Media Fast, uh, the 30-day New Testament Bible Reading Challenge, and also 30 days a focused prayer. The, the focused prayer and the New Testament challenge end on Tuesday, but you can still pick up some brochures and get started on your own. You don't have to do it uh, last month. If you didn't do it, you still have a chance to jump on board. So let me just welcome you to week number four of our sermon series. Uh, on week one, I kicked off our new year with a message called Committed to a New Start. Week two, I preached about where commitment begins last week. And, man, we had a great service last week, didn't we? Uh, I preached on the call to commitment. What a great time. And this house was slammed full. Now, I see a few more empty chairs. By the way, I never talk about this. Invite your friends to come to church with you. Invite your friends. We don't want to have any empty chairs. We got too much good stuff going on here at Life Church for people to be missing out on it. So invite them to join you. And then uh, so today let's go to our text for our fourth message Philippians 3, verse 14, just one verse, and I'm going to read some more verses later. It says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ 
Jesus. So today's message, I want to preach on this subject, committed to victory. Committed to victory. Now, today is not only Jersey Sunday, uh, but it's also Super Bowl Sunday. So it's a day to show our colors and our love for our teams. And it's also a good day to remind ourselves that, you know, life is better when you're not so serious all of the time. And that includes church. Amen? So whether you like sports or not, try to enjoy this day and remember that all work and no play, what does they say, makes Johnny a very dull boy. So although we tip our hats to all sports enthusiasts on Jersey Sunday, don't be mistaken, it's very obvious even by looking around this room that in the United States, the number one sport in our land is football. Now, I already told you I normally wear a Dallas Cowboys jersey, but I thought I'd mix it up today because I'm also a big college sports fan, uh, especially football and basketball, and my team of choice is the Virginia Cavaliers. Amen. Uh, Now, I can also tell you, though, sometimes being a fan can be tough because if you are a competitor, you don't like to lose. Are there any competitors in the house that it makes you sad when your team loses? (laughs) See, my pro football team, the Cowboys, had a little bit better year. They made it to the playoffs. They won a game, and then they lost in the playoffs. But, of course, I'm still a fan. My college basketball team, the Virginia Cavaliers, they're doing great. But we've still got some unfinished business from last year's debacle in the NCAA playoffs, if you follow college basketball, Virginia now is known as the only number one seeded team to ever lose to a number 16 seed. That's painful if you're a Cavalier fan because every time they talk about March Madness, we got to hear about it until some other number one seed loses. See, some fans are really serious about their sports. And why is it that fans take things so seriously? And the reason I already said, competitors do not like to lose. And can I just tell you, if you're going to play, I believe you ought to play to win. Amen? I Now, some of you snowflakes might not like this, but I believe winners should celebrate, and I believe that losers ought to have to mope around for a while and try to do better the next time. You don't get the same trophy that the winners get. You lost. (laughs) I'm going to say it like Jeff Probst says it on Survivor. Uh, You lost. I got nothing for you. Go back to your camp. (laughs) See, I think losing is good too because you get to feel the sting of defeat, the humility of losing, the challenge to do better the next time, and you know what? It helps you build character. Amen. I enjoy games. I enjoy sports, and I am certainly not a sore loser, but if I'm going to put forth the effort or if I'm going to stay up and watch a game, I want to do the victory dance. I want to sing celebrate, amen? I want to chant, we are the champions. And my girls will tell you growing up when we played board games, when I won, I stood up and raised my hands. We are the champions, my friends. Down, down. We. I mean, if I'm going to play, I play to win. You come to my house to play Monopoly, you better be ready for a four-hour marathon. I don't care what time you got to go to work. We're playing. 
You play me in Yahtzee, I might bring my own dice. I cannot confirm nor deny, amen. I want to win. I want to win. I think it's important. When I play softball, I play until my body forces me out of the game. And that happened this last year. I won't go into all that, but I like to win. And you know what else I've learned about winning? Anybody can win occasionally. Bad teams can defeat great teams if they're playing exceptionally well and the good team is playing poorly. But today I don't want to talk about that kind of winning. I want to talk about another level of winning. And that is not even just winning championships, but creating a culture of winning. Because it takes, something is ringing. I don't know if y'all can hear it. I can hear it. It takes special people to become champions, but it takes even greater people to become repeat champions. It does. And hear me, on any given Sunday, the weakest team in the NFL can pull off an upset and taste victory for a few fleeting days, amen? Any, any given Sunday. Or like we saw last year, I already mentioned it in March Madness, for those of you who don't follow basketball, the University of Virginia was the number one rated team in the country. And they lost to the equivalent of the 64th rated team in the tournament. That was unheard of. But on any given day, it can happen. But see, in order to do more than just win a few upsets or to get above 500 and have a winning season, it takes a different chemistry. It takes a different heart, a different strategy to be a repeat champion. It takes a commitment to victory. It's incredibly hard to create a culture of winning. For example, listen to this. This is going to shock you. The last 12 Super Bowls have been won by 10 different teams. Look it up. I did yesterday. I made sure all my stats were right. Ten teams in 12 years. Five different teams have won the last five World Series. It's tough to repeat as a champion. Seven different teams have won the last 11 NBA championship series. Seven. Why is it so tough to repeat as a champion? To go from victory to victory, from winning to winning. It's difficult, but I want to tell you, it can be done. Let me give you an example from the National Football League. For example, the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Steelers. Listen to this. The New England Patriots won three out of four Super Bowls from 2002 to 2005. Matter of fact, Tom Brady has a chance to win his sixth Super Bowl today if the Patriots win. That's unbelievable. I'm not a Patriot fan, but you got to tip your hat to success. Amen. Dallas Cowboys won three out of four Super Bowls from 93 to 96. Steelers won four out of six Super Bowls from 1975 to 1980. That's amazing. Those three teams and only four others, the Packers, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Broncos, are the only teams who have ever won back-to-back Super Bowls. And what is this, Super Bowl 54, 53? I don't know. By the way, is there anybody with me who wants to get rid of the Roman numerals? Those things have got to go. Would you please just put a 5-3 up there? Would you please just call it the Super Bowl like they do the World Series and the NBA championships? That's my soapbox. That's not sermon material, but I just thought I'd throw that in. Let's look at basketball. Look at the Chicago Bulls, the L.A. Lakers, and the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics won eight championships in a row and 11 out of 13 from 57 to 69. Folks, that's domination right there. The Chicago Bulls won three in a row twice. 
And six out of eight from 1991 to 1998, we call that the Jordan factor, amen? The L.A. Lakers won three out of four from 1985 to 88, three in a row from 2000 to 2002, and five out of six when they were the uh, Minneapolis uh, team in 1949 to 1954. I'm talking about a culture of winning. Golden State Warriors have won three out of the last four NBA championships. See, that's what you have when you have enough money to buy all the good players. No, that's a winning culture they have there. I want you to look at the New York Yankees in baseball. Now, I'm not, I'm not a Yankee fan, but the Yankees have owned baseball. The Yankees have won 27 World Series, and the next closest team, St. Louis Cardinals, 11. That's domination. I think the Boston Red Sox have won 9 or 10. I'm not sure. See, the Yankees have won. Here, listen to this about the Yankees. The Yankees have won two in a row three times, three in a row, four in a row, and five in a row. See, now, how do you develop? Now, I'm going to get to the preaching part. How do you develop that kind of a culture of repeating as a champion in your own life and in your day-to-day living? See, not just the occasional good day or the occasional victory. See, I don't want my life to be defined by he got up and he had an upset victory today. How do you become somebody who is committed to victory in your life? See, it requires not only a will to win, but it requires a will and an attitude and a passion to keep on winning every day of your life. See, if I got to breathe, I want to be a winner, amen. If I got to walk the face of this earth, I don't want to be a loser. I want to be a winner. See, the desire to not only win, but to win again and again and again. It's in the mindset that you can see in the greatest players of my generation, Jordan, Bird, Magic, from the pro football field, Bradshaw, Brady, Montana. They not only had talent, they had grit. They had a will to win. See, it's the goal of every successful coach. How does the underdog outplay and defeat the undefeated? How do individuals play through injuries and break records at clutch times? It's being committed to victory and having a will to win, the desire to go from victory to victory, high place to high place, mountaintop to mountaintop. It's an unwavering positive attitude. It's an incessant desire that makes repeat champions. You don't really have to look any further than this year's Super Bowl. I thought for sure the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be playing today. I th- they have a better team. I think, I think they have a better quarterback. I think they, they're, they're, they might not be as well coached, but they're certainly right up there with Andy Reid. But guess what? How did the Patriots show up again? They just figure out how to be repeat champions. So I want to talk to every one of us here today. As believers, we have to want to be winners, and we have to want to be victorious. You cannot, amen, you cannot settle for the occasional win and think that's enough, amen. We need to dominate in the game of life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to tell you, don't settle for up and down days. You need to determine to be on the top, amen? Some of you are already dreading tomorrow because it's Monday. Can I, can I just be real nice but be real? That's not the mind of a winner. 
got to go back to work tomorrow. Well, of course you do. Most of us have to go back to work tomorrow unless you're blessed to already be retired. But you cannot attack your week feeling already defeated. That's not the mindset of a winner, amen? A winner recognizes it's Monday. I'm starting a new week. My slate is clean. What can I do that's great? Come on, I'm talking about what can I do that's great for my family? What can I do that's great for my employer? So that they'll see how great of a worker I am and I can be elevated on my job and I can make more money and I can become the boss. Come on, folks, I'm talking about we got to change the way we think. What can I do for myself this week? What can I do for the Lord this week? I hope to go back to the gym in the morning. I haven't been to the gym since, I think, September or October when I threw my back out. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. I want to do something for me. I want to get myself back right. See, you got to have a mind that says, I'm not going to be self. I'm not going to hobble around the rest of my life. Bad back. My back hurts right now. No, 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 no. You're going to the gym tomorrow. You're going to get back right. See, folks, we got to want a day-to-day victorious living. As bad as Tom Brady wants ring number six, as bad as LeBron wants to win in L.A., any NBA fans in the house? Let me tell you why he went to, you want to know why he went to L.A.? He wants to show how great he is. He wants to show that he could do it in Miami, he could do it in Cleveland, and he can win one in L.A. Because he's a winner. That's who he is. I want to win as bad as Tiger wants to win another major. You want to know why Tiger's out there with that jacked up back that he's got? He wants to show he's still got it in him. He can still do it. He was playing golf. I heard he was playing golf with President Trump yesterday. Amen. Now, that's a way to make you feel good about your golf game right there, playing with the President of the United States no matter who he is. Folks, I want to be victorious in my walk with God. And you know what? When the Lord sees me coming up that golden sidewalk one day, I want him to stand up in the crowd and be clapping his hands and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And my prayer today on this Jersey Sunday is that we would be a church that will not settle just for the occasional successes and wins in our walk with God. I want to challenge you. God did not call you to mediocrity. God did not call you just to get by. God did not call you to scrape by every day of your life, can't hardly pay your bills. God did not call you to always be sad and depressed and discouraged. God did not call you to always be sick and defeated. Come on, somebody. God called you to be a winner. He called you to be a winner. See, how your body is doesn't define how your mind is. How your circumstances are don't tell you whether you're victorious or not. What your situation in life is does not tell you who you are or who you can be. Somebody shout, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. And I want to keep on winning in every area of my life. I don't want to just win on the job. I want to win in my house. I want to win with my friends. I want to win in the community. I want to win in my walk with God. I don't want to go from stumble here to stumble there. I want to be committed to victory. And Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm going to play this game, I am not content with a losing record. 
If I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm not content to be on the losing side. If I'm going to serve Jesus, I'm not going to let the devil kick me in the backside every time I have a bad day. Because I'm a winner, Kevin, and you are too. See, I don't want to just go and get the occasional blessing and then fall back down and go in and out of church like we got a revolving door in the lobby. I'm having a bad month, so I'm going to just stay home. No, 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 no. You need to be a winner. Winners get out of the bed. They go to church. They worship God. They sing. They shout. They dance. <laughs> you, want, you want to know what praise and worship service is to me? I'm running out of the tunnel, Kevin. This is the game. I'm running out of the tunnel. I'm ready to take the field. Amen. You want to know what this altar call is? That's where I get to spike the ball. It's my touchdown dance. Come on, you got to change the way you think if you're going to be a winner. You got to change how you think. I don't want to be a Christian who plays at 500. I don't want to be a winner. By the way, can I just tell you, I think it's a joke for a college football team that has only won six games and lost six games to go to a bowl game. If I was six and six, I'd be embarrassed to play in a bowl game. Come on, mediocrity, unless that is your best, should not be celebrated. Unless that's your best, should not be celebrated. Why would any Christian want to barely win in life? Come on, I'm trying to challenge how we think. Your Christian life should not be a roller coaster of emotional ups and downs. But you ought to want to be a Golden State 3 P. You ought to want to be a New York Yankees World Series run, amen? You ought to want to be a UCLA college basketball run. You want to live your life committed to victory. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I have a lot of losses in my life, and there are still times when I have losses. But I'm going to tell you right now, every day when I wake up, I'm not just preaching now, I'm telling you, every day when I wake up, I, I plan to be a winner that day. I plan to be a winner that day. See, we all know what losing feels like. We all know what losers look like, so I'm not going to spend any time on that. But God wants us to live from victory to victory, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. I remember when I was a teenager, and Rodney, you'll remember this, we used to go to youth camps. Youth camp was the high water mark of the year. We would go and every kid would pray through and all of our backslidden youth group members would pray through and everybody get all fired up. And you know what? When we would leave camp, we were just like, oh, it's 358 days till the next youth camp. That was our Super Bowl. And then we would go home and we didn't really say it, but we were programmed to think now we got to go back to mediocrity. Now we got to go back to our little small church, our little small youth group. Now we got to go back to our defeated life in school and to our bad homes or whatever situation we were in. But we've got to change the way we think. We got to be winners. And the passion to keep on winning challenges all of us to repeat our previous victories in an ongoing walk with God. Do not be content to get by. Do not be happy with last year's try. Folks, this is just the first Sunday of 2019. What do you want 2019 to be? I'm sorry, the first Sunday of February of 2019 is what I meant to say. The scripture gives us principles to illustrate this keep on winning concept. Romans 1.16, let me read it to you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God 
to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek, verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. From faith to faith, 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the King James says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Come on, I don't want to just settle for glory. I want from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15.17 says, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, don't miss this. He didn't just save me. He gave me the victory. Psalm 84 and 7 says they go from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Come on, that's how our walk with God is designed to be. The Bible gives us all kinds of examples of individuals who went from victory to defeat, but also those who knew how to go from victory to victory. Joshua 6 tells a story of Joshua's victory over Jericho. Then Joshua 7 tells a story of his defeat at Ai. 1 Samuel 17 tells of David's victory, slaying a lion and a bear. They took a lamb from his father's flock. And then 1 Samuel 17 tells of David's then victory over Goliath, the leader of the Philistine army. See, Joshua went from victory to defeat. David went from victory to victory. One major difference between Joshua and David, I believe, was their passion. Many times the determining factor for victory or defeat in your walk with God is your passion level. How bad do you want it? Come on. How hungry are you for God to help you win in life? How bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to worship God and praise God with fervency and with expectation? Oh, come on, somebody. Do you want it bad enough? Do you want it bad enough to pray in an altar? Do you want it bad enough to have a prayer life at home? Do you want it bad enough to read the scripture? Do you want it bad enough to try to live holy and pure before God? How bad do you want it? Some people say, I can't live for God, Pastor. It's too hard. Well, guess what? You're right. For you, with that kind of thinking, it will be too hard for you to live for God. With that kind of thinking, you will not live for God. You will be a mediocre Christian at best and a backslider at worst. You are your own self-fulfilling prophecy. Let me tell you what else some people say. I am an overcomer. I am not defeated. I am not just a winner. I am victorious. I don't care what the world may do. I don't care what the world may say, amen. Guess what? You are right too. I'm not going to preach about this right now, but there's tremendous power in our words. There's tremendous power in the spoken word. There's tremendous power in what you say is going to come to pass in your life. We have got to understand sometimes we got to close our lips. We got to close. We got to speak faith. Speak it. I'm a champion. I'm not defeated. Come on, do you have the passion to be committed to victorious slavery? David asked his oldest brother Eliab, he said, Is there not a cause? Yes, there is a cause. 
1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. You want to know why David knew that he was a, a repeat champion? He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. David understood that it was God's power in his life that made him a repeat champion. See, folks, that's a statement of passion. That's a statement of being committed to being victorious. You can be an overcoming Christian and you can live from victory to victory if you'll get some passion in your walk with God. See, you want to know why we encourage exuberant worship around here? You want to know why we encourage demonstrative praise? You want to know why we ask people, the people of God to respond to an altar? Because your passion has an opportunity to release itself. Because a passionate commitment to God will carry you from victory to victory. See, it's ordained of the Lord. I'm almost done. It's ordained of the Lord that his people go from victory to victory. Hear me, folks. It is not his intention that we go from victory to defeat, from victory to defeat. Historically, few nations and individuals and sports teams or organizations, that a lot of them, they don't handle their success properly. I remember back in 2011, <clears throat> there was a football game between the New Orleans Saints and the Indianapolis Colts. And they beat the Saints 62-7. to I'm sorry, the Saints beat the Colts 62-7. to They set all kinds of records. As a matter of fact, I can't remember this, but I think that was the highest, the most points that a team had ever scored on another team. 62-7. to You want to know what happened next week? The winless St. Louis Rams, who that year was the worst team in the NFL, beat the New Orleans Saints. They just did a record-setting performance against, uh, against the Colts, squashed them like a June bug. And then the winless Rams defeated the Saints. I read a statistic after that that said of the 11 games in NFL history where a team scored 60 points in another team, the following week those teams lost nine out of the 11 games. <laughs> See, folks, the pattern is to go from victory to defeat. Man, by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. The Saints should be playing today instead of the Rams but because uh, the Saints got robbed, by the way. Let me just throw that in there. Now, as a believer, you've got to decide. Do you want to be one of the great ones or do you want to be one of the six and six bowl teams? Do you want to be one of the great champions or do you want to just get by? I want Life Church to be one of the great ones. Come on. I want you as a believer to be one of the great ones. Can I just tell you, and I, I'm not saying this arrogantly. I'm, I really, I hope in my heart I'm saying it for the right reasons. If God called me to be a pastor, I want to be one of the great ones. I want to do it right. I want to love people right. I want to treat the church right. I want to cast vision right. I want to honor the kingdom of God and everything I do the right way. I don't want to just be one among thousands. I want to be one of the great ones. And God will decide what that looks like. See, as individuals, we've got to be, strive to be great. Strive to go from victory to victory. See, some of us need to learn the secret of how to have repeat wins in our life. Now, I, I, can, I can honestly tell you, I could probably do an entire sermon series on this, but I'm, and there's probably hundreds I could say. But let me just share a few tips real quick in this last 10 minutes of how you go from victory to victory. Number one, first of all, you need to have confidence. 
not cockiness. Confidence meaning faith and not cockiness. Past victories can and should build confidence in our lives. We should not be afraid of failure. We need to be focused on the victory. Confidence, or spiritually speaking, having faith in God, hear me, it is the catalyst for future victories. Can I tell you that I am confident that there are things that we've been praying about that have not come to pass yet? I am confident that they are going to come to pass in this church. I believe it. There are things in some of your lives that you've been praying about, I am confident it is going to come to pass. Confidence means putting my faith and trust in Christ. But cockiness means I assume full responsibility for the success. I do. Cocky Christians fight tomorrow's battles on yesterday's battle plan. We don't prepare for the battle. We believe we're invincible. We think what we did last month or last year or five years ago. No, no, no. you got to be ready because the enemy is always pulling out a new trick. Amen? You know what this past 30 days has been? Can I, t- can I tell you? You know what this past 30 days of commitment has been? Preparation for champions who want to repeat as winners. People who said, I'm not just content to get by in 2019. I'm going to join you, Pastor, on 30 days of commitment. Champions who have been willing to push aside the plate or the computer and say, I'm going to sharpen my winning edge. Anybody remember Mike Tyson? Y'all remember when he was the greatest show on earth? You know what happened to Mike Tyson? He started believing his own press clippings. They were talking about he was the greatest heavyweight champion ever and that he was unbeatable. Go back and read his story. So you know what he did? He started slacking off on his training. He got lazy preparing, and then he fought a guy who had never been heard of, Buster Douglas. And Buster Douglas knocked him out. Cockiness got in the way of confidence. So you need to be confident in Christ, not cocky in your own abilities. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, I love it from the message. Do we have it? on the? Oh, good. Are you, check this out. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt you can fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Oh, that's a great word. That's a great verse right there. Cultivate God confidence. Look at Israel after their exodus out of uh, Egypt in the Old Testament. They were able to go from victory to victory. They kept winning. Joshua sought the Lord for the battle plan of Jericho. Jericho was the unbeatable enemy. Israel was the underdog challenger. But confidence in the Lord's plan brought a convincing victory at Jericho. But then, you know what happened in the very next chapter? Ai. Ai. Ai was supposed to be the pushover opponent. AI was supposed to be the one that Israel was going to walk in and kick them to the side. AI was Alabama versus Lee Davis in football. That's what it was. Israel was so cocky, read it, they didn't even send out all their forces. Joshua 7 sets up the scenario like this. Here it is in your Bible, Joshua 7 and 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho. Jericho, they still got the dust of Jericho on their swords. They still got some blood on their shields. Joshua sent the men from Jericho to Ai. 
which is beside Beth Saban on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua, look at this, and said to him, Do not let all the people go up. <laughs> Just let two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. Joshua, let some of the guys rest. We got this. Just send a couple of thousand of us. Ai, nothing. We can handle it. Now I want you to look what happened as a result of their arrogance. Verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up from there and the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Now, I'm not a military man. I'm not a strategist. I'm not sure how this works. If you sent 3,000 men and you only lose 36, I don't know if that's good odds or not. But whatever happened, the Bible says the, the people of Israel fled. And they were so afraid, it says, their hearts melted and became like water. The result of cockiness versus confidence. Here, can I just stop and tell you right now, never underestimate your AI. Oh, I got this. I got this. AI, get out of my face. I got this. I don't even need the Lord's help. I got this. I, I don't even need to pray about this, Carl. I got this. She, 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 we're just friends. I got this. I got this. He, he, he's, my, he's just my work husband. We're all right. Any of y'all heard that saying? I, I, I didn't even believe that was real. I said, what in the world is wrong with people? He's my work husband. He's my work wife. She's my work wife. What in the world? You setting yourself up, buddy. AI's fixing to bring you down. Don't be cocky. Be confident in the Lord. All right, let me give you another one. If you want to go from victory to victory, you got to stay hungry. I know, I know it's not great. I know it's not great revelation. You know what stay hungry means in the Greek? Stay hungry. Stay hungry. But folks, you got to be hungry again and again and again. You know what the problem is when we achieve something great? When we even, even in the church realm, if you achieve something someplace in God, we think we're good enough. And then the hunger to win is to be satisfied. You know why? I, I, and, and Rodney, help me with the stats if I'm wrong. Do you want to know why over 76%, I believe, of Protestant churches never get above, is it 150 or 200? 100. You want to know why 70%, 75% of churches never get bigger than 100? They just get satisfied. There's just enough money to pay the pastor a salary. Come on, I'm just keeping it real. There's just enough people to where I have a handful of friends, but I don't have to be inconvenienced. There's just enough people where I don't have to be involved in ministry. If I do, there's just a few people to take care of. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about people get satisfied, and they don't want to press further. They won't want to be hungry for more. So you got to be hungry. I read a quote by a salesman. Here's what he said. He was a great salesman. He started out, he, he, he was dominating in his field. 
And he started out, and he did a lot of prospecting for new clients, and he said he would prepare and prepare and prepare. But here's what he said, and I'm, I'm going to read his quote. He said, I would be up at the crack of dawn calling prospective clients, and before any call, I would learn everything I could about the account, the competition, the marketplace, everything. Then I would rehearse my presentation, asking all the right questions, anticipating anything that could arise, and have responses ready. But when I started making a six-figure income, I began to take my success for granted. I got complacent and took shortcuts. I stopped prospecting, and I relied on the accounts I already had. I also prepared less for each call. I figured I knew my stuff by now. All of a sudden, my numbers were way down, and I didn't know why. At first, I thought it was just bad luck or timing. Now I realize that I forgot to do what got me there. Listen to this. I have to get back to thinking like a hungry salesman. You know what the problem is in the modern church? Is that many of us as Christians who have been in church a while, we have stopped thinking like a hungry sinner. You have forgotten how miserable you were before you found Jesus. We're fat and we're full and we're saved and we're satisfied and we're holy and we're happy. That's why we can yawn through sermons. That's why we can send text messages through worship service. That's why we can talk or leave through the altar calls. Because we're not hungry, satisfied. I'm good, preacher. I pay my tithes. I show up a couple times a month. Leave me alone. I'm satisfied. I'm good. See, you used to, though, be hungry for, for God. You used to hunger to feel God. Oh, man, how did we get here on a Jersey Sunday, amen? See, you used, you used to say, get me to the house of God. Where is that hunger. So you want to live victorious. You want to be a repeat champion. Instead of just a flash in the pan, you've got to stay hungry. If you want to keep on winning, you need to get hungry again in your walk with God. God, I'm here, but God, I don't want to be satisfied here. I want to go there. I want to, and now I get here, God, I want to go there. I want to go wherever you lead me, God. I want to be whatever you've called me to be. <clears throat> See, guys, we've got so much potential in us for the kingdom, for our families. Some of you, God wants to bless you, not just to bless you and your children, but if he tarries to bless generations to come after you, it's in there. you got to be hungry for it to be released. Another thing we've got to do is we've got to kill complacency. If you want to go from victory to victory, you've got to kill complacency. Guys, complacency doesn't attack with full force. It creeps up on you. It's that feeling that everything is on autopilot. Creeping complacency is the feeling that victory is guaranteed to happen. That's what happened to Mike Tyson. That's why he got knocked out. He got complacent. It feeds on the erroneous belief that yesterday's blessings or yesterday's efforts or yesterday's skills are going to suffice me till the end. Complacency is rooted in the assumption that you've already paid the price and that you deserve the victory. When he was asked to compare the attitude of the team that won the NBA championship in 1984 with the team that came to play in 85, former uh, L.A. Laker coach Pat Riley said that what happened was they had taken their success for granted. Here's what he said. He said, our team's thought was, hey, we're the best. 
We beat Boston. We beat Boston in Boston. We beat Boston in Boston with Bird. He said, we went on to say that the signs of complacency were very subtle at first. Players, and I'm quoting, players weren't diving for loose balls. We weren't running as hard. Some players were coming to practice late and leaving early. It's no wonder we began the 85 season by nosediving in the stands. Standings. Showdown came. Raleigh said on the night that they were awarded their 84 championship rings. That was supposed to be a great night. And in front of their hometown fans, they lost by 34 points to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were at that time, at that time were a horrible team. So see, some of you are wondering, why do you go from victory to defeat, to victory to defeat, to victory to defeat? It's really not complicated. Where is your passion? Where is your hunger? Has it been replaced by complacency? How do you know? Where's God on your priority list? Can I, can I just, can I really get in here and pastor for a minute? How does a praise and worship service play out in your life? Tears, joy, dancing, singing, clapping. We're just mumbling a few words, trying to get through it. How does a sermon play out in your life? My God, I wish that loud preacher would just shut up and get, I got a Super Bowl party to get started fixing up. I wish he quit trying to challenge us every Sunday. I wish he would just motivate us and inspire us and give me a good speech, something to make me feel good so I can go home. I wish he would quit pushing so hard. See, how does a sermon play out in your life? Why can't he just quote a few verses about God is love and leave us alone? Or is it, man, the Lord is stirring in me today. He's talking to me today. I got to get going on this. I got to work on this. Please hurry up, Pastor. Not so I can leave, but so I can get to the altar and get to praying about this. Come on, folks, I'm trying to help you today. I want to help you go from victory to victory, from win to win. Praise team musicians, come on up. Prayer team, come on up and get ready. You got to have the will to win in order to go from victory to victory. We can't rest on yesterday's victory. What do you want 2019 to be like? I want to be totally committed to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to be totally committed to the gospel. I want to be totally committed to reaching the world, my world, with the gospel. We got to be totally committed to prayer and to giving and to serving and loving. We got to go forward and be empowered by the Holy Ghost if we're going to be committed to victory. Because, guys, we're human, and we've got to accept the fact that winning consistently is not always easy. And if we're just honest, winning, consi- winning every day is not going to happen. But you can have way more wins than you can have losses. I want you to stand with me all over this house as they get ready. See, because when you serve God, a victory can't be the end. Because you know what it is? The summit must now become the starting line again. Have you ever noticed in a relay race when they run around the track where they started and where they end is the same place? When they run and they come back around, it's not just the end, but it's also another start. 
See, the challenge for those who succeed is where do I go from where I am? The challenge for those of you who feel like you're doing pretty good, you need to ask yourself, where is my starting line again? Sometimes you've even got to let failures in your life be an incentive. The sting of defeat. The embarrassment of not achieving. The frustration of losing. Sometimes, can I just be transparent with you? As a leader, as a pastor, the embarrassment of doing something wrong and maybe hurting somebody's feelings and having to say, I'm sorry. That stings. That hurts. But it helps you grow. Failure should light a fire in us not to rest on yesterday's victories. You got to draw strength from it. You got to encourage yourself with it. You got to learn from it. Don't stop there, though. It's been said that the true test of a champion is what does he do after a great win? Can he still fight? Does he remain hungry? I'll never forget a great man of God. Some of you know him or have heard of him. Many of you have probably not. There's a great man of God named Billy Cole. He used to pastor in Charleston, West Virginia, but he really was more well-known for his missionary work in the country of Thailand. And when Billy Cole would go there, I mean, it was miraculous things that happened. People would be healed and delivered. And I had the privilege of going to a couple of crusades with Billy Cole in my younger years in the 90s. I went with him to a crusade in the Philippines, and I went with him to one in, in Thailand. And in the Philippines... We saw over 3,000 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit one night, one service. And the, we were in the, I can't remember the name of it, but we were in the same stadium where Muhammad Ali beat Joe Frazier, the Thriller in Manila. How many of you boxing fans? Are? We had that stadium packed out. We had a crusade. We had amazing things happen. I saw a crippled man get up and walk in that stadium that night. Amen. I saw blinded eyes open in that building that night. I saw it with my own two eyes. You can't tell me it didn't happen. I, I was at a crusade with Billy Cole in Thailand, and we saw over 1,500 Buddhists receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was privileged to go down into a river. The name of the river, I can't remember what they called it, but it was translated leech. It was a nasty river. The leech river. And I went down in that river after that service, and I baptized 300 of those people in that river in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you why I'm telling this story. It wasn't even in my notes. I'll never forget one night, Billy Cole told us after one of those great things, he said, we asked him, he said, well, what's it like? How do you feel after a great day like this? He said, men, I am at my greatest vulnerability on a night like tonight. He said, I don't even want to be left in my room alone. He said, I have a minister come and stay in my room. He said, because after the highest highs, I go to my lowest lows. He was very vulnerable with us. He said, I get depressed. I get discouraged. Billy Cole was a real, he was a big man. He said, I just want to eat nonstop. He said, I go immediately from the pinnacle to the bottom he said and I have to protect myself I'll never forget that success can kill you if you don't measure it and temper it and understand where it comes from 
and protect yourself. I'm talking about going from victory to victory. And he warned us. He said, when you're on your highest highs, he said, boys, you got to protect yourselves. you got to be careful. So what can I do? The last thing I want to tell you, and I've run over a little bit today. Forgive me for that. But if you want to go from victory to victory, here it is. Never, I just added this to my notes this morning before church. Never forget the fundamentals. Champions never forget the fundamentals. Don't forget the basics, prayer, worship, praise, giving, serving, holiness. Never forget, never feel that they're not necessary. You never go beyond the need for training camp in your life. You know what January is for me every year? It's my training camp. I don't enjoy the Daniels fast one bit. I love donuts. I love meat. Amen. End of discussion. I love it. You know what it is? It's training camp. Can I tell you, this is the first year we ever did the 30-day New Testament challenge. I had no idea how much of a challenge that was. Training camp. Training camp. I'm almost done. I've got till Tuesday. I'm trying to bring her down the home stretch. Training camp. Every champion works on the fundamentals. See, folks, we got to fight our human nature. We got to fight our carnal flesh because the greatest destroyer of victory can be victory if you forget how you got there. Victory means more when it's repeated and lived out. Momentum builds. The bottom line is how much do you care? Do you love the cause? I want to begin. I want to pray and I'm going to open this altar. Lord, this room is full of great people. But some of us are just frustrated. We're frustrated with our jobs. Some of us in this room are frustrated with our marriages. We're, we're, we don't know how to deal with our kids. God, we're just, we're angry and we don't want to be angry. We're discouraged and we don't want to be discouraged. And God, we're thankful for a few high water marks that we can remember, great church services, great revivals. We remember when we got converted. We remember when we got filled with the Spirit. I remember when I got baptized. I remember the camps. But God, I just, I'm tired of riding the roller coaster. I want to go from victory to victory. I want, I want you to help me change my attitude and my way of thinking. Help me, God, to, to not skip the basics Help me to not skip the disciplines that you've called me to that help keep me grounded, that help keep me pure. Help me today, God. I don't want to just squeak by. I don't want to just barely make it financially, spiritually, emotionally. God, I want to be a winner, a continuous winner. I don't say it with arrogance. I don't say it to boast. God, I hope I'm not saying it out of pride, but God, I want to be a winner because I believe you called me to be a winner. You've called us to greatness. You've called your body to greatness. You've called your people to greatness. It's demonstrated all throughout the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. God, you want us to win. And we want to represent you well. So right now, God, as I finish this prayer and I open this altar, I pray that people who want it will step out from where they are and just say, God, I want to hunger for greatness. I want it to happen in my life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I'm going to open this altar right now. I want you to step out from where you are and come down here. Maybe you've never experienced greatness in your life. Ask God to give it, give birth to it this year. Or maybe, maybe you're not where you used to be. That's okay. We all get there. Ask God to help you get back there. Maybe your greatest victories still lie ahead. Ask God to help you get there. Ask God to help you get there. Major, Major, I see you. Would you come up here? I want to pray for you. For those of you who don't know, this is Major Mansfield. We consider him a member here. He's a member in another. He just lost his wife of 65 years. 65, was that right? Come up here, Major. I want to pray for you. Could a couple of brothers gather around? Let's pray for him today. I don't want to distract you from what you're doing. Why don't you, let's begin to pray. But I want some brothers, let's just pray for Major that God would give him strength. But the rest of us, why don't you pray right now? God's got greatness in us. Let's pray.
standing next to you. If you can, just reach across the aisle. We're going to pray for one another before we close this service. I want us to pray that a culture of winning would fill this place. I don't just mean corporately, but I want you to hear me. I'm talking about individually. Some of you have been beaten down so long, and you've gone through some tough stuff. And you know what? God wants to help you to understand you can be a winner again. Come on, you can be a winner again. God is not through with you. You're here. He's not through with you. So I want us to pray. Because folks, this is not easy for some people. Because when you've been beat down, it's hard to feel like you can get back up. So let's pray for one another right now. Can we do that? The body ministering to the body. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I want it to flow through this building, a fresh anointing of victory, a fresh anointing, God, of the greatness that you have put within us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God, you are greater than my doubts. You are greater than my fears. You are greater than my worries, even my past defeats, God. And I pray, God, that you would reawaken the winning spirit within us. Doesn't matter how far we've fallen, doesn't matter how dark it's been, God, today is a new day. This is a new year. This is a new opportunity, God. God, we want to be committed to winning. We want to be committed to greatness. We want to be committed to the goal, call of God on our life. I pray it would flow through this place, God. God, to the person that feels the most defeated, God, I want you to encourage them and give them hope. God, I want you to encourage them and give them hope. May greatness fill this place. And God, and my last prayer, God, is that as you bless us, help us to be humble. Help us, God, to, to submit the blessings into the hands of others. God, help us to, to not be greedy with our blessings. Help us to not be arrogant or pride, prideful or cocky, God, but help us to walk in humility, God. Knowing, God, that greatness comes from being the servant of all. Help us to remember that, Father. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Can we give God a praise of victory? Come on. Let's give him a winner shout.
Oh, oh, oh.